0: Welcome to the Unusual and Human Experience podcast, where we explore a mystery that has many faces and interacts with humanity all over the globe. Here we talk about the unusual, ancient, and contemporary. If you are curious about near-death and out-of-body experiences, encounters with UFOs, events of the paranormal, or even strange esoteric experiences, the Unusual and Human Experience podcast is for you. Host Kevin Keelis, a psychotherapist by trade, provides insightful conversations, sometimes with guest speakers familiar with the topic at hand. This podcast is educational and inspirational, its contents representing only the opinion of the host and, when applicable, his guest. Kevin is the author of three books, Bring Your Pen, Bring Your Broom, Last Breath Awareness, and Spiritual Care to Elderly and Dying Loved Ones and the founder of Conversing with Death, an existential training on last breath awareness. For more about his services, go to BodyMindMetaphor.com. And now your host, Kevin Keeless.
1: Welcome to the Unusual and Human Experience podcast. My name is Kevin, and today we're going to talk about why we often find unease, discomfort, and even conflicting emotions when we work with or deal with other dimensions, including God. Now, before we begin, I'm going to introduce a new little piece to the podcast. It's called Three Things in Passing. And I just want to share whether it be a reflection, a thought, a hint, give you a little quiz, something that pertains to life in general and not necessarily the unusual, but fun to talk about. Plus, I may give you hints and maybe be a part of the answer, but I want you to do the homework. I'd be curious to hear what you find and discover with some of these questions. So here's the first question. What is the average lifespan for a male and a female in the U.S. today? What is the average lifespan for a man and a woman today? Now, let me give you a hint. Before the pandemic, I think it was something like 79 years for males and 81 for females, according to the CDC. Now, that has changed since the pandemic, and it's actually gone down. All right, question number two, which is related to the first, and that is, where do you think people tend to live the longest? Where or what part of the world do you think people tend to live the longest? Let me give you a hint. It is not the U.S. In fact, we don't even rank close. And that's crazy when you think about a gym in every corner, practically hundreds of diets. But still, cardiac disease is still the number one killer. And the last question is that when we look at the stars at night, are we looking at their brightness in actual time or in delayed time? This may be a bit obvious for you, but I think what's interesting is you can look up at the stars and everything you're looking at is so many light years away that you're actually looking at the past, at what they did at some point in time. It's not actual. And now for our theme, in this episode, we're going to look at why is it that we find conflicting emotions and ease and even discomfort whenever we engage with other dimensions. Now, I'm going to begin at a place that may sound a little surprising, but I'd like to start off with how we are conditioned to understand and explain our experiences. When you think about it, each culture has its themes, it has its norms, It has its dominant beliefs. It has its definition of what is good, what is bad. Every culture, I think, has these and other measuring rods by which people are conditioned to understand life, experience, and so on. And when we zoom into the question at hand, why is there discomfort, conflicting emotions, restlessness, and so on whenever we encounter other dimensions, it is easy to understand how culture, how our culture, which includes religion and politics, influences the way we approach the subject. So if we have an experience that feels pleasant, comforting, and exciting, we would conclude this feels like it was a good experience. And if we have some moderate level of anxiety, some restlessness, some unease, we tend to think, hmm, that wasn't quite right. Maybe I did something wrong. It doesn't feel good. And we do the same to others. If someone is talking to us and sharing an experience, if it has elements that we consider to be good, we will therefore sort of measure that as a, ah, good experience. And if they share an experience that has elements that we consider not so good, we would say, hmm, you may want to consider doing something different. Now, there's something that is an exception to this cultural conditioning, and it's called spirituality. And we'll talk about that in just a moment.
0: Body Mind Metaphor offers a range of virtual monthly groups to professionals looking for support, guidance, and up-to-date education. If you're a professional counselor healthcare discipline, social worker, or pastoral counselor, you can choose from an exceptional list. If you're an experiencer, there's more exciting news. Body Mind Metaphor runs a free online monthly support group, a place for the experiencer, where you can talk with others about the challenges you face and learn how to make your mysterious encounter work for you. Seats are limited to eight members, so act now. For more information, go to BodyMindMetaphor.com
1: Now when I say spirituality, I want to distinguish that from organized religion. Not to say that there's anything against organized religion, but I like to look at spirituality in and of itself. Now throughout history and in various parts of the world, spirituality has wrestled consistently with the idea of suffering. And it's wrestled consistently with the question of happiness. Questions like, what is suffering? Why is there suffering? And what is happiness? Now, spirituality has done a great service in entertaining this question. And this podcast will not do its service to demonstrate that. But one thing that is important to emphasize is that spirituality has juggled around this idea that a good experience is the absence of any unease. It even goes as far as to say that sometimes unease, discomfort, displeasure, restlessness, and moderate levels of anxiety at times are actually part of the healing process and not so much a definition of unhappiness or a lack of a good experience. If we are honest, we would want our path and our journey towards happiness to be very easy, very convenient. And if there's something that aggravates us, that causes some degree of unease, we try to find a way to escape that. Spirituality says differently. It says that suffering can sometimes be a part of the journey towards healing. And don't we see that in various forms of historical literature? Take the Bible, for example, and the story of Jesus. Now, there are different versions of a historical Jesus, but in the Bible, Jesus is presented as someone who comes with a mission. And in that mission, he has a journey, and that journey is not convenient. That journey is not pleasant. There were times where he was filled with anxiety. There were times where he was angry. Other times he felt lonely and isolated, wondering, My God, my God, where are you? And yet he knew at the same time that he was within the will of God. To me, the mystic is someone who comes so close to this example The mystic seeks solitude and spends time in prayer and reflection and meditation, cultivating a relationship with experiences and with questions that have no answers in the name of progressing towards the divine. Suffering and discomfort are not a threat to their understanding and their walk with God as they understand God. To the contrary, it's a part of their healing process. It's a part of their spiritual development. Now, I want to show you the opposite as I witnessed it as I was studying for ministry. And this was within the context of faith. Back in the 80s, when I went to college, a Pentecostal college, in order to start my journey in ministry, There was a sort of theological explosion, if you will, around healing and prosperity. The gist of it was, God wants you healthy and wealthy, and if you don't have those things, then you either lack faith or have sin in your life. You can only imagine what that sounded like to people who were ill and people who were struggling to become successful but were having a hard time economically. It was a brutal theology, but one that was conditioned, I believe, by culture that somehow seeped into some theology that then it was God's word. It really had nothing to do with a spiritual journey. It had nothing to do with the journey that Jesus took. It was simply a theology that became confused and took upon itself the conditions of a culture that determines what is good and what is not so good, what constitutes healing and happiness. You may be wondering now, so Kevin, what does this have to do with unusual experiences? Well, it has a lot to do with unusual experiences, because whenever we engage with another dimension, the other dimension is going to have a different set of modalities, modes of operation, epistemological approaches, forms of reality that are different from ours. And so when that is happening, when two dimensions meet that come from two different places, it is only inevitable that we're going to experience unease, that we're going to experience levels of anxiety and restlessness. This should prove comforting to those of you who have experienced something that you can't make sense of and that leaves you deflated, confused, and angry. When two dimensions come together, the energetic contact is so different, and sometimes it could leave us afraid. And I speak from my own spiritual practice as I work my way towards the divine as I understand the divine. There is this sense that sometimes when I meet God as I understand God, God leaves me in a place that is not pleasant. But that does not mean that it is wrong or a bad experience. And when things are difficult to understand and they sound and feel bizarre... That might just be the gateway towards the healing process we need. Bring Your
2: Pen, Bring Your Broom brings together two healing communities, the psychotherapist and the witchy at heart. Only you'll be lucky to find them anywhere in the same room. The therapist easily misunderstands and labels the mystic, who in turn worries she'll be labelled crazy. But what happens when the esoteric practitioner seeks mental and emotional support to balance her often strange but sacred practice? This concise text guides the therapist to correct his miscalculations by dismantling those dormant stereotypes. The professional paves the way to offer necessary wisdom and skills to manage trauma, clinical depression and anxiety. The very things that can threaten the esoteric practitioner Bring Your Pen, Bring Your Broom also supplies the potential client with direction on how to effectively use therapy to prevent emotional unsteadiness while exercising those slippery rituals. Bring Your Pen, Bring Your Broom, now on Amazon
1: in hardcover and paperback. Once we can embrace this idea and really develop a relationship with our experience afresh, without these sort of norms as to what constitutes a good or a bad experience, We're able to start moving into the integration process, a process that is not only individual in nature, but one that begins a relationship with all of our experiences, what we had, whether it was an encounter, whether it was something in the paranormal, whether it was in some mystical or esoteric practice, we're able to somehow Cultivate a relationship with this experience without judging it, without judging it as evil or bad, but as a process of our growth. While this process is individual in nature, in other words, your experience and your process of integration is going to be different than mine, There seems to be, in my opinion, three general elements to the integration process. One, there is the need to attend to very intense experiences that need some type of attention or healing. Two, there is the element of cultivating a relationship with the unusual, with the bizarre, with questions that we cannot find answers to, in a way that it won't hold us back, but instead we're able to use it to our advancement and to our spiritual growth. And third, there is the element of ongoing work. To where there are some things that we will need to attend to and keep our eye on in order to maintain a balance, a balance in the way we remember our experiences and a balance in the way we utilize that experience in our present day and time. Now, let's briefly look at each. The first is attending to wounds that are rather intense. Yes, there are times when we engage with other dimensions that we're going to experience a jolt, a strong experience that's going to leave an imprint in our heart and minds in which we have to attend to, and if we don't address it or attend to them, they can prove detrimental. This is why I wrote in my book, Bring Your Pen, Bring Your Brooms, for the esoteric and the mystic, that there are certain things that must be addressed if you want to have a balanced practice. And for those who have experienced an encounter with a UFO, not to say that there aren't wonderful experiences, there are, but often along with those experiences that we welcome, there are those that can be weighty, too difficult to bear on your own. And that's where you would need assistance Someone who is sympathetic to your experience, who will not judge your experience, but will help you to find healing so that you could move forward in the integration process. Otherwise, these heavy pieces will hold you back. Now, the second element, which involves embracing the experience as it is and cultivating a relationship to where you transcend the judging process and just be with your experiences. This takes time, but one of the resources that I found valuable has to do with mindfulness and meditation. In other words, being with yourself and being mindful of your experience without judging it. Now, we've all heard of mindfulness and meditation, and it comes in very different forms. I learned meditation not just here in the U.S., but I actually took two trips to India, where there was a 10-day meditation retreat near to where the Buddha preached his first sermon. And then I went to Rishikesh, India, where I was for a month training to be a kundalini yoga instructor. There I learned various aspects of the practice. So, it's difficult to say there is one way of doing things, and you'll have many teachers say very different things. But the point is, you're able to utilize this resource to assist you in embracing and cultivating a friendly relationship with your experience, including the things you cannot make sense of, including the things that sound bizarre, including the things that are not accepted by culture. Now, on the other hand, you want to weigh this out very carefully. There are certain times where you want to use this, but this doesn't mean you want to apply it to your entire experience. Trauma, for example, is something that needs special treatment, special skills in order to carefully walk toward it and in order to then help it heal. And mindfulness and meditation isn't always my first go-to when it comes to trauma. But when you're dealing with pieces of your experience that aren't necessarily intense or traumatic, this might be an option for you in order to cultivate that relationship we were talking about. And last, the element of treating the ongoing experience. Now, when we talk about healing, there is sort of within the back of our minds this idea that, okay, we're in point A and we want to get to point B. And when we get to point B, everything will be fine. Everything will be healed. Everything will go away. And that's not the healing process that I'm talking about. There are parts of our experiences that are going to walk with us. That doesn't mean that they're bad, but they just will walk with us, and it's important for us to balance those pieces as we journey forward. Perhaps we can call this a type of maintenance, like we do when we go to the dentist every six months, or whether we go to the doctor for our annual physical, or even when we take our car for inspection. There is a sense of making sure that all the pieces are in the right place and that nothing becomes imbalanced. In my work as a psychotherapist, I have grown very convinced that much of our work isn't about getting rid of our issues and our problems, but maintaining them and managing them. It's unfortunate that we are often exposed to big claims about how to get rid of those things that we don't like about ourselves or our experiences. Truth be told, Much of the time, it's a matter of managing what we have. And the older that we get, and trust me at 60, I can say this, the older that we get, it's not about getting rid of things. It's about learning to manage the pieces that are before you. But even more than age, I think one of the things that helped me in this area of life, of how to sort of manage what is rather than try to overcome, is when I worked in hospice for 15 years. There was no choice there, but to just watch the experience continue, the natural phases of life and death. And as much as our culture despises death and wishes to overcome it, those 15 years were not about overcoming anything. It was about embracing the experiences as they unfold before us. As a refresher, know that whenever there is an unusual phenomenon that takes place, one that involves two dimensions of reality coming together, there's going to be unusual residue, if you will. There's going to be unease and discomfort, unpleasant emotions, mixed emotions, contradictory emotions. But that doesn't mean it is a bad sign or a sign that something has gone wrong. To the contrary, it could be that which is to build you, to strengthen you, and to encourage you. So if you're able to step back from that definition of what constitutes a good experience, as defined by cultural conditioning, you will then be able to move forward towards the integration process. I hope this has been helpful to you. This is the Unusual in Human Experience podcast. Stay well. Body-Mind
0: Metaphor offers traditional psychotherapy to adults seeking to recover from trauma and to manage depression and anxiety. Now, with a unique and necessary twist, it provides these same interventions to individuals who have experienced unusual phenomena, such as a near-death experience, an encounter with a UFO, some mystical or esoteric transformation that proved distressful, or a paranormal event. Many who meet up with a strange experience often remain silent, Sometimes for years, for fear of being ridiculed or thought of as crazy. This isolation only inflames mental and emotional symptoms. It is therefore imperative that mental health professionals provide that safe space for clients to explore these experiences and integrate them into our lives. Body mind metaphor delivers just that by using talk therapy, hypnotherapy, and other therapeutic modalities. Remember, you are not alone, and you don't have to be. For more information, visit us at BodyMindMetaphor.com